Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. Shavua Tov, and welcome back to Interesting Questions. We are up to the fifth fifth parak of Pirkei Avot, and we are up to Mishnah Yud Zayin. Arba Midot Baholchei Beit HaMidrash. There are four types of people that go to the Beit Midrash. Holech Vaino Ose, one who goes but does not study. Schar Halicha Biado, he gets reward just for going. Ose Vaino Holech, one who studies at home but doesn't go to the Beit Midrash. Schar Maase Biado, he gets reward just for doing. Holech Ose, one who goes and he learns. Chasid, he is a righteous person. Lo holech velo ose rasha. One who does not go and does not study, he is a rasha, an evil person. I think this ties well into the next Mishnah, so we'll continue with Yud Chet, with 18. Arba midot biyoshvim lifnei chachamim. There are four characteristic types of students who sit before the wise sages. Sfog umash pech, one who is a sponge and a funnel, mishameret venafa, a strainer and a sieve, svog shehu hakol, he is a sponge because he absorbs everything, umashpech, and a funnel, shemachnis bzo umotzi because he takes things in one end and lets them out the other, mishameret, a strainer, shemotzia et hayayin, because it Let's through the wine, meaning the good part, vekoletet et hashmarim, and retains the sediment, venafa shemotzia et hakemach, and a sieve that it lets through the the flour, vekoletet et hasolet, and the fine quality flour retains. So here, we're talking about people who go to learn, and the type of learning that they're able to do, or the type of um, recollection that they're able to have. So as we look at this as an educator, right, one of the things that I, I want to, to first talk about, I guess, Akiva, is this idea of ability. Does everyone have ability? how much of that is natural and how much of that is taught. So that if we're talking about, uh, I guess this refers more to the second Mishnah, the idea of someone to retain what they've learned and to be able to apply it um, or even to be the, the, uh, the sieve that holds on to the stuff that's good, right, and allows the chaff to fly out into the wind, how much of that do we think is natural and how much of that is learned? 
Well, Avi, I love that you have that question, especially since in Tetvav, uh, we discussed the different types of students and whether or not they learned. So it ties very nicely into Yodchet, which is, I suppose, we can reiterate. And, and I think that there are those who... You know, I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. Not, not the part where I was giving you a little bit of a hard time. But I'm going to say that we are all born with the capacity to learn. Because as soon as we're born, we begin learning. We learn how to see. We learn how to use our eyes, our senses. We learn how to establish who is our primary caregiver. We, we establish and learn how, how to use our hands, how to walk, how to talk. We, we learn our primary language in an amazing period of time, considering we go from zero and all of a sudden we have this language and no other language, I think, do we learn that quickly, which is why so many people who are multilingual try and encourage their children to be multilingual before they're the age of three, it seems, because we know that the... Children who learn and grow up speaking multiple languages have that capacity and that ability, and it is so much more easily acquired. That being said, I will say that when we're talking about this kind of learning, I think it's a very special kind of learning, and I think part of that is very much dependent on how the student learns. And again, we did speak about that this past time, so I'm not going to completely go over that again, but what I will say is that Tying it back into Yud Zion a little bit, um, you know, we have this idea that people who go to the Beit Medrash and don't learn still get credit for going to the Beit Medrash. And those who don't go to the Beit Medrash but learn still get credit. And I'd like to think that some of that has to do with the fact that perhaps there are those individuals who learn differently. And those individuals who can't necessarily just go to the Beit Medrash and sit in front of a sefer or sit in a shiur and absorb in the same way as someone who is that type of learner, it's nice to know that they are still getting credit for being a learner and taking the time to try and learn in their way. So I, I love that you've, You've pointed that out, the idea that just by showing up, even if you don't get much out of the shear, that you there's credit received. I also want to go back to um, compare these two Mishnayot, right? The the one from Tetvav about their four characteristics, right, of the Talmidim of students. Because there it talks about Mahir Lishmo, Mahir Abed. It's about listening and forgetting. And so to me, that strikes me very much as one's natural abilities, whereas here, if you're talking about being able to differentiate um, wheat from chaff or, or flour from, from that which would not be used, I think you're talking about critical thinking. And so one is one's ability to learn at all, which I think you, you addressed. Uh, I'm... I want to dive a little bit deeper and talk about critical thinking skills, the ability to 
use higher order thinking skills where you're talking about can they analyze, can they apply what they've learned, can they create new models based on what, what the instruction has been. So, Avi, I, I love that you're talking about that because I have to say that it's, it's a very, it's kind of this amazing thing about learning Gemara. And I'm going to talk about that specifically because I think that is, from, from my experience, which admittedly is not that impressive, uh, but I think that is one of the epitomes of higher order critical thinking because you have these pieces of Mishnah that are then broken up by these Chachamim who say, well, I think it's this, and what about this, and how's this? And, and they have these intricate little questions and these specific nuanced ideas, and it teaches you skills. If that's what you start by learning, it teaches you critical thinking so that you can then apply it to other areas in your life. And similarly, and I can say this one for sure, as somebody who learned and began learning any kind of uh, Gomorrah-level text after developing critical thinking skills, is that when I was learning for the first time with a Chavruta, people who were much more learned than I in, in those areas were impressed by my ability to come up with ideas and questions and, and understand what was being said and what the argument was and what the question was because I had already developed those critical thinking skills. So I think what's amazing and wonderful about our, our thirst for knowledge and especially Judaic studies is that it gives us this wonderful opportunity to have real-world knowledge. If we true choose to develop those skills and then utilize them, and it is, it is a, they are skills that need to be developed. They must be honed. We are not, it's like common sense. People say, oh, it's common sense. It's common. It is not common. It is not common at all. And just like common sense must be honed and tested and, and developed, so too must critical thinking skills. We don't have them as younger children, sometimes we do things like, well, uh, Avi, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess you and I have a number of things we can think of that children do that are quite special uh, and, and show a complete lack of critical thinking skills, but also that curiosity and desire to develop them. Uh, for example, mixing toothpaste and hydrogen peroxide and soap and mixing them all together to see what will happen. Uh, as, as someone who knows what they all are all for and considers that wasteful, yes, we can look at the negatives of that. At the same time, they all do have different viscosities and they are different types of liquids and they will interact in this really unique way, I'm sure, uh, I was not privy to that entire experiment. Um, but, right, that's kind of how we start to develop critical thinking skills as children in, the, in our everyday world. Similarly, uh, in our Judaic world, right, we start by wondering, well, what happens if you shecht a chicken and there's an egg inside? Can you eat the egg if it's yantif? Uh, or even if it's not yantif. 
And is that egg flachic or is it power of like a, a, an egg that had been, um, that had been birthed? Right. What well, would be? Exactly. Or, or the way that I mentioned this past time about the fact of that there was a, some, some chacham, either from practical knowledge of his students or from just knowing that this would be a way to remember like I said, had to say, hey, you might think that because urine is a strong smell, you can use it in place of another, but you can't bring urine into the Beit HaMikdash. So, again, I think these are kinds of things where we have the Judaic applications and the ways that we have utilized those critical thinking skills that develop, and then we have those real-world mechanisms, uh, and, and there's this beautiful overlap there. So, so Avi, I think that would be kind of my answer to this. I, I do want to ask you, though, about someone who doesn't go to the Beit Midrash and doesn't learn. And I, I'd like to hear from both the rabbinical hat that you wear, but also the educator hat, because... There might be people who don't have the ability, don't have the time, or quite frankly, unfortunately, there are some people who just cannot learn in the same way that someone who is being described as going to the Medrash can learn. And, and sometimes even learning some of the more basic, maybe they don't have access to it. Maybe they don't have the time or the ability to get that. And so it seems like a bit of a leap to automatically say, well, that's a Russia, because perhaps it's just somebody who is a, a Tom. So I think they're talking about somebody who knows they should be going, right? A Tom would be somebody who didn't even know such a thing existed. Um, but I think I'll start with a, a suggestion that I think I heard from Charlie Harari, who's a, a well-known Jewish speaker. And he talks about, at one point, he wanted to increase, he wanted to go to the gym. He wanted to be able to work out. And he was trying to figure out how to do that. And somebody gave him the following tip. He said, the first day, just get dressed for the gym. So that's what he did. He got dressed for the gym, didn't even go to the gym, just got up, put on shorts and a t-shirt like he was going to the gym to work out, then undressed and got dressed for work and went to work. Did that for a week. The next week, he got dressed for the gym and went to the gym. When he got to the gym, it didn't work out. He would then shower, change, put on his business suit and go to work. And it wasn't until the third week in that he actually got dressed, went to the gym, worked out a little bit, then showered, changed, and went to work. And he said, but he was trying to build this, this um, habit. He was trying to build this, this right, and convince his brain, oh, well, we're already in these clothes, we might as well go to the gym. Oh, we're already at the gym, we might as well use something that's here. Well, once we're working out, we might as well make it count. Right? And so 
to a certain extent, I think that's why, even if you just show up at the Beit Midrash, even if you didn't really get to learn anything, it's worthwhile. And I think that the idea of, you know, trying, right? I'm not a fan of eighth place trophies, but, but recognizing the effort that goes into making the trip, to taking that safer off the shelf and sitting with it in front of you, even if it's just for five minutes, really is worthwhile. Um, and so somebody who's not even um, willing or wanting to do that, I think that's why they're, they're, uh, they're put into the category of the Russia. Um, from, from the rabbi's perspective in Pirkei Avot, I think they're talking about somebody who has chosen not to engage in learning rather than somebody who's finding it difficult to engage in learning. Right? And it doesn't tell you what you have to learn. You could practice reading Hebrew. You could um, read the text in English. You could just sit and listen to somebody else learning. Right? And again, we talked about you get credit just for being there. So even if you didn't understand what they were teaching and understand what they were learning, it's still you still get credit. And, and that may be what's most important. I, I very much appreciate that, Avi. And you brought up something that I'd like to kind of go into a little bit more, which was the example of the the person who goes to the gym and then changes and puts on their clothes for work. And I have to say, I, that part is missing from here. The, the, the chassid, the one who goes and learns, when does he leave the Beit Medrash and go work? So I don't think that is that is a component of this because the Mishnah is is tightly wound and, and follows a formula that makes it easy to remember because it was originally taught orally. Um, but I think there are plenty of other places both in Pirkei Avot and, and, and in rabbinic literature where we talk about right how much should someone work and how much should someone learn and right there is absolutely a mitzvah to provide for your family. Um, if you, right, and, and depending on what you do, you may, and your stage in life, you may find that there are certain things you can do and say, okay, I'm going to be able to um, learn an hour a day, half an hour a day. I can just learn on Shabbat and Sunday. And there may be later times in your life, right? Empty nesting um, and other components where you go, I now have more time on my hand. And I can actually use this time to learn. And I will shout out in a positive way to my dad, who when he retired, I was a little bit nervous about what was he going to do with all of his quote-unquote free time. And what he found was that he joined a Dafyomi Shir, and in not too long a period of time, ended up becoming the person who was giving the Dafyomi Shir and was preparing two to three hours a day the Daf 
so that each day he could be prepared in order to to give that daf. And, you know, that's that and, and you know, going to the gym and, and spending time with my mom has been what has kept him busy now that he's retired. And so, you know, I, that, that to me is, first of all, a wonderful model. And second of all, something that, that I think people could aspire to. Right? You don't have to be the person who gives the Daf Yomi Shir or even attends a Daf Yomi Shir, but certainly here in Florida and I know in many other places, there are certainly Shiurim that are given at times that are convenient for retirees. And there's always the web and there's always the internet and there's podcasts and there are plenty of wonderful ways to find, to sit and learn. Well said, Avi. When you go into retirement, the best way to handle being retired is to go out of retirement uh, because your father is a rabbi also. So uh, your, your father, the rabbi, went into retirement and then began acting as a rabbi. Yeah, the, the, uh, the difference is he, he no longer got paid for it. Ah, ah, so, so there we go, there we go, that's, that's how we He retired. went from professional to amateur uh, status, I suppose. I'm sure not. Um, but, so that brings us to our question around the Shabbos table, which is, uh, what kind of learner are you, and what kind of learner do you want to be, and how are you going to make that change and achieve your goal? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at iqdiscuss at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and responding.